Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. This series is changing settings. A lot of athletic trainers are on the move or looking to change with life, with their life changes, whether that's having a kid or kids leaving the house or just being burnt out. Whatever their situation is, there's a lot of out of us that are looking to change. We need to do our research. We need to talk to people. We need to hear from people who have done these things. Jason Roby has been on the podcast. He was on probably like five years ago when we talked about pastoral restoration with Mike McKinney and Josh Ogden, I believe. We were all talking about that, which, which is a really cool training that I would still at some point like to take. But the point of this conversation is changing settings. John Siegel is going to do most of the questions. Um, <clears throat> so if you want to know about settings, Jason is probably your guy because he's done pro, semi-pro, college, high school, clinic, industrial. Um, he's currently working with the military. So lots of different options for career conversations with Jason. So reach out to him and we'll have that information way down at the end. But this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Jason, J-A-S-O-N, Roby, R-O-B-E-Y, Jason Roby. And without much further ado, John Seiko, you have got it. Awesome. Jason, thank you for joining us today. And, you know, right before we jumped on, we, we asked, um, you know, where you, where you been? And just to get a quick overview and we're like, all right, well, well let's just stop there and then hit record because we're going to run out of time here. So uh, Jason's been kind of all over the place, made a lot of, lot of um, setting changes. And uh, if you can summarize, where have you been? Okay, real quickly, um, I've been at, I initially started off at the high school setting, uh, worked for a clinic and did outreach to a high school in Michigan. Um, I actually took four years off before going back to get my master's, which I went to grad school in Louisiana. Um, I've spent time working semi-professional football, baseball, and hockey. I've worked with, uh, within a physical therapy clinic at uh, up in Connecticut, um, also in New Hampshire. I was with the physical therapy clinic when I worked with the independent professional baseball team. I've also worked with Division III um, athletics the past 16 years. I've worked Division I intercollegiate athletics uh, three years at Hampton University, eight years at Appalachian State University, two years at the University of Miami, three years at Mercer University. Uh, prior to coming here, working with the Army, I spent um, nine months with the California Air National Guard. So where are you at currently? Actually, let's go back real quick. Where in Michigan were you? I was in uh, Oxford, Michigan. Okay. I worked for Pontiac Hospital, and I was at Oxford High School. Okay. So I'm, I'm just south of there. I'm in Royal Oak. We're in the same athletic conference. Where are you at now? I'm in uh, Newport News, Virginia. I'm at uh, Fort Eustis here. And then talk a little bit about the setting that you're currently in. What What is your, your day-to-day and what, what is your duty there? My day-to-day duty is actually I'm a more of a subject matter expert. I'm a consultant for the Army. Um, I'm the one... Um, The Army has recently created what they call the Holistic Health and Fitness, the H2F. They're completely revamping their uh, physical training for the soldiers. Before their testing used to be um, push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. 
now they've completely changed that. There's actually six different physical tests that they have to do. Uh, three rep max deadlift, um, hand release push-up, uh, a power throw, uh, run drag carry, a plank, and a two-mile run. And um, the reason that the Army went with uh, holistic health and fitness is just due to the number of uh, musculoskeletal injuries that they've seen. They spend a lot of money, and the soldiers aren't able to, um, aren't deployable. So they put together this um, health, uh, H2F, which consists of uh, human performance teams. And it's based off of, you know, what we've done at the collegiate setting, what they've done in special forces. So our team would consist of PTs, ATs, OTs, RDs, uh, cognitive performance specialists, and strength and conditioning coaches. So they're completely revamping the uh, physical component and training for the soldiers and we're taking a holistic approach to it um, because you know we have the occupational therapist to help with the mental component we have the cognitive performance specialist to help with the uh, obviously the performance component of what they have to do so I'm sitting here at the strategic level I'm helping develop the policies for all H2F in terms of you know, any type of policy and procedure out there for athletic trainers, how we're going to do things. Um, I'm helping with uh, the overall athletic training policy. Currently, the AT policy for athletic trainers here in the Army is very restrictive. And I'm a huge proponent for getting that changed. And actually, recently, the uh, DHA has actually agreed to go ahead and move things forward for athletic trainers to hopefully open up our scope of practice to, you know, completely to where we're supposed to be at. And um, we have about, I'd say, 200 athletic trainers right now um, out at the different brigades. And I'm basically their voice, kind of their liaison to the higher up. So I'll have a monthly meeting with um the lead athletic trainers from each brigade. And I take in the feedback from them, you know, any questions, concerns that they have, I try and address those um, in terms of getting equipment, policies, working with contracts, any of that. Um, like I said, I'm their voice to the higher up for here in the Army. Being the subject matter expert, what your background, the, the vast background, how do you use that vast background to, to be the subject matter expert for the Army? Well, I think just my experience at each level, I've spent time in each different setting. So I have experience with a broad spectrum of taking care of different level of patients from little kids up to older adults. Like I said, I've been in the collegiate setting, the high school setting, the PT clinic, and just having that knowledge of what athletic trainers do, what they have access to as far as resources. I'm able to utilize, you know, 25 years of experience and help develop things. I know where the profession, the profession was 25 years ago. Um, I do have a PhD and I've worked as an assistant professor as well. Um, so I understand where the, uh, profession is going 
in terms of academics and things like that. So I feel like that with all that experience that I have, that I'm a perfect proponent for the profession here within the military. And with the Army, um, right now we have the most athletic trainers on staff. And by 2030, as we continue to expand, we should have up to 621 athletic trainers. Uh, like I said, currently we have about 200. But as we go up to 2030, we'll be up to about 621 athletic trainers. And like I said, with my vast experience, and background, and understanding of the profession and where things are going, I think I'm the perfect uh, proponent for the profession. Yeah, that's that's great. I I think people when they they are hesitant to make a change within a setting, they're worried about how they are going to use their experience to relate to that next career change or that that career change or the setting change, uh, and that creates some hesitation. Obviously, we know our our value as as athletic trainers and and what we can do, and I always like to say the gray areas of medicine that we we operate in and. Um, you know, which creates for a really fun profession, but a lot of times it's hard for the outside world to recognize what we are able to do and what our experience is like, uh, so that we're able to make that career change or that setting change. Can you expand on that a little bit, how you're able to use that, that experience and how are you able to, to overcome some of the hesitation and, and make people understand what athletic trainers do? My, my experience with that, you know, is, Athletic training positions are athletic trainers, right? We're all trained to do our job, whether you're in one setting or the next. You just have to take um, your experience and the confidence that you have. I'm not changing positions or professions. I'm just changing the setting. I am still an athletic trainer. So if there is a position for an athletic trainer, you are qualified for that. You've passed your board's exams. Uh, you have the experience as an athletic trainer, you are qualified for that. There's nothing uh, magical to these different positions. Um, you know, at the professional level, working with professional athletes, you don't have to be this grand wizard of athletic training. And you don't have to have specialized experience working with the military or working in the industrial setting. But you take the experiences that you have and the things that you've done and you sell yourself, right? And yes, making changes, any type of change is going to be stressful and it's difficult and hesitant. And as well as, as athletic trainers, you know, we want to put our best foot forward. So I think we, um, how do you want to say this? We almost undersell ourselves in terms of what we can do. Because, you know, like I said, I went from 16 years of Division One intercollegiate athletics, came over here to the military setting. Um, no, I didn't know much about the military, but I know about being an athletic trainer, you know, that I can do. Um, the Army, when I got here, is really not too familiar with athletic trainers. Um, before they really brought in this H2F system, they've had some athletic trainers at the basic combat training units. But it was just kind of, well, they're there, they can do what they do, and that's it. Uh, majority of the Army uh, posts have PTs, OTs, and RDs that they know what they do. So when I came here, that was one of the things that I've had to do is I've put together presentations consisting of, 
you know, this is the training and education of background of athletic trainers. This is what athletic trainers are capable of. And then as I got more and more familiar with the army and got out to the different installations, see where we fit in. Now I can tell people, Hey, when you get athletic trainers, you can utilize them here, 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 and here. Yeah. One of the things that you said right there was in the beginning was recognize the potential of stress, recognizing the stress and change. And, and that's important for people to understand as well as, you know, the, the grass is always greener. The thought of the grass is always greener somewhere else uh, or on the other side. But to recognize that as you make that change, there will be stress. It's it's not going to be a, a turnkey and life is going to get better. Um, and and to, to relearn um, the next setting is is really important, or at least to be open to that that understanding of learning. Um, you know, if, if that's something I, I can go back to. You know, about a year ago, I wish I would have been more thoughtful of that or mindful of that. Um, you know, before I made a, a change, and you know, it is stressful, uh, but you get through those things. You, you you fall back on your laurels of who you are as an athletic trainer and your in your training, and um, you're, you're able to adapt and and change and. Uh, utilize that experience for the better. And that's, that's important for people to understand, because I think that's a big hesitation as people move forward is um, what am I going to do if, if I can't operate the way I've been doing it the way, you know, in the past, well, you, you, you forget about your experience and and what has led you to that point. And uh, so I I think that's important. So I I thank you for, for pointing that out and recognizing that, because that is uh, very important for people to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I got a quick question. I know, you know, talk about the grass is always greener. There's stress involved in taking positions. Uh, I know a couple of people have reached out to me about jobs in the military or, or you know, hey, I was going to take this, but the contract didn't come through. And then also someone I know, they they essentially were overweight and weren't allowed to work with the military population, like because the contracts uh, stipulated a certain um, body composition. Um, can you, have you seen that at all? Can you talk about that just again, as we're talking about the good and the bad of changing settings? Okay. The issue with the contracts real quick is that, um, when they set up like for here for the H2F, they're like, all right, the army says, we're going to award this contract out to a company, um, and this is what we need you to do. You need to be able to hire so many athletic trainers or whatever. When these companies um, look to bid for, you know, they bid on a proposal, what they do is all these different companies will reach out and start posting positions and looking at hiring people. And then because when you're looking at hiring 180 athletic trainers, which had to be done this past year, that's a lot of people. And waiting until that point that when you get awarded the contract to start filling those positions of 180 is very difficult. Um, and I know the Marines actually are going through this right now. I know that there's about 14 AT positions, I think probably 14 strength positions um, that recently posted. But And if you look, there's probably 10 different companies doing that. And what's actually going on there is they're trying to recruit and start getting people that way if they get awarded the contract then they can go ahead and start and they already have people to fill those positions so that does come down to you know when they get awarded well 
now here in the Army, that contract has been awarded to the company. The company has that contract for extended period of time. So anybody interested in joining the Army, we know who that contracting company is. So when they post those positions, they have that contract. They've already won it. Okay, so that's kind of where you get, you know, it's confusing because when I looked at it, uh, back a couple of years ago, there's probably 20 companies posting for the same positions. And that's what they're doing is they are competing for that contract and they wanted to gather all these athletic trainers and you don't want to wait till the last minute. So that's kind of what that issue there that they ran into. Um, as far as the body weight, I've never heard of that. I know that the actual um, military has different weight recommendations for their soldiers that the soldiers actually have to meet. Um, I will tell you on some of the job postings that are out there, it might say you have to be able to be fit because they may go on a 12-mile ruck, kind of like a, a march with all their equipment on. And they kind of want the athletic trainers to be able to go with them. So they want to make sure that, you know, these individuals can, you know, handle austere environments because they may be working out out in the snow. Um, they may be doing their physical training and, and the heat. So that's kind of what they're looking for is the, that you're capable of, one, lifting a certain amount of weight, which I think that's any job will say you need to be able to lift probably about 45 pounds. Um, but it's are you capable of, you know, working with your team as they go out and do these tasks? And, you know, not everybody actually has to go out on the rucks. You know, it, it depends on what situation you're in, but I've never seen anything that says that you can't be a certain weight. It's more of, are you physically fit enough to be able to perform tasks of lifting 45 pounds um, if you needed to go out into the field with these soldiers? You know, they don't want to have to be worrying about you when you're the one that's worrying about them. You know, can you get out there, carry your equipment, you know, your, your medical supplies in a backpack and uh, keep up with them. You touched on, you know, the, the need and the want for hiring more athletic trainers within the H2F. What is the future of that program from your eyes or, or what you're able to, to, to tell us? What, what do you feel the future is of, our, of that program? Well, right now we have a staff um, starting in 2021. Uh, 28 brigades. Like I said, they had to hire about 180 athletic trainers. We have probably, I think, 40, maybe 45 athletic trainers who are in the basic combat training area. But as we look to grow out um, each year, we're going to expand um, the number of brigades that we cover. So by 2030, we'll be looking at staffing uh, 110 brigades. And we're looking at having a total of 621 athletic trainers by 2030. And, you know, that's the start. If they really start seeing that things are really picking up, you know, we may even expand that greater. I know that, um, you know, the, the Marine Corps working with their, uh, has, you know, ATs and their special units, you know, the Navy, the Air Force, and we've had some of them kind of meet with us because we're the first one who's taking it from special forces 
to, you know, now we're trying to cover, you know, 1.2 million soldiers. So we're really spreading this out to try and take care of many soldiers as possible. And if we're successful, I see the other forces doing the same thing and replicating that. So the profession or for the profession of athletic training in the military, you know, from now until the next 10 years, I just see it exploding. Had a lot of stops over the last few years. Is this your final stop? It depends. Uh, I definitely plan on staying in the military. I would like to be able to progress and possibly, you know, work my way up uh, to higher levels um, than where I am right now. Because currently I am a contractor. I'm not actually an Army civilian. So being able to obtain an Army civilian position would be great. But um, I do plan on staying in the military. Change of the setting. Uh, we can talk about that, you know, why I made that change. And, you know, had I been able to do this 10 years ago, I would have done it. And I would have stayed here in the military the entire time. My question is, do you have any regrets or missed opportunities? You know, I, I miss working with the athletes and the patient care. But I, I kind of look at it as far as, as far as, you know, I'm in a profession more or in a position where I think I can really impact things for the profession as we move forward. And with my background and experience, like I said, I think that, you know, instead of being selfish and worrying about, you know, being able to attend games, you know, I think I can do more for the profession overall in the position that I'm in. Where I'm at now, I don't have to work on the weekends, so I could still watch football and basketball and everything else on the weekends, because now I have my weekends to myself. So John is going to be jumping off the call, um, and it's actually just about, again, you had about 10 different spots, um, and you said earlier, if you could have done this earlier, you would have, but you know, I feel like we're placed at this place at this time for a reason, like you have to have a certain experience or certain thing for you to really appreciate it. Like if we hadn't been in debt, then I would not have wanted to take the Financial Peace University course, and that would not have encouraged me to be financially responsible. But I don't encourage people to get in debt just so you can learn about being in debt, right? And so it's just right. one of those things. Um, if there was one stop that you could say was most beneficial to for you to be where you are right now, what would that be? Probably the time that I spent at Appalachian State, the eight years there. The first year I was there, I was hired as an assistant. Um, after first six months, then I became the interim director after that remaining six months. Uh, so I've been there for a year. I became the director of sports medicine or athletic training services. And being the director there, there I garnered so much experience in terms of really developing programs, learning the administrative com component to it, budgeting, ordering supplies, inventory, drug testing, policies, uh, networking with other medical professionals. I'd say that was probably the greatest for me. Do you feel like there is anything that we have missed? Like I said, I, I know it can be stressful and people can have a lot of doubt and, you know, stress changing any job can be stressful, even uh, moving if you have to uh, be open to it. I know it can be scary, but it can also be very rewarding. Um, like I said, had I had a chance to do this 10, 15 years ago, I probably would have. Um, 
you know, I, I say go for it. I, you know, the reason that main reason I made this change is, you know, I spent all that time working division one athletics and, you know, you work 60, maybe 80 hours a week. Now I'm working a 40 hour week. You know, so if you want to talk about, you know, people are like work-life balance or whatever, I work a 40-hour work week. I actually get paid more. I have my weekends off. Um, I have my holidays. I actually get paid holidays. Um, you know, I have Veterans Day coming up, which I get to have that day off and I get paid for it. Um, so there, there's going to be a lot of stress to what you do. I guess the biggest takeaway is to do your research. Ask people, um, anybody who wants to ask me questions on any of the settings or whatever, I'm more than uh, happy to help, you know, fellow athletic trainers out. Um, hopefully, I learned things the hard way so others don't have to, you know. So that's, that's kind of how I see things. Like you said, you know, you don't recommend people going into debt, but you learned a lot from what you had to do. Hopefully, you can share what you learned with others so they don't have to go through the same thing. That way we can push things forward. That's always the goal. So you said somebody can get a hold of you. Is Twitter the best way to do that? Um, Twitter or my email, which is uh, jason.roby27 at gmail.com. But I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn is a great uh, place for professionals to actually really meet other professionals. So I highly recommend people kind of get on that site. All right. Make and some contact. I've got another question that came, that just came to mind. <clears throat> you said, uh, anticipate the stress. So what did, what were some of the, uh, I guess, manifestations of stress? What did that stress look like in your life? Was it, you know, you were nervous, had trouble sleeping, those kind of things. What did that look like for you during those transitions? Um, no, it wasn't the sleeping. It was the unknown. Um, I was, I came here from California. So I was traveling with two dogs. Um, I had to obviously move all my apartment. You know, I had to pack it up. I, your typical stresses of moving and not actually knowing of what I'm actually getting into. Like I said, we know athletic training. We're athletic trainers. That's what we do. That's what we're trained for. It doesn't matter what setting you're going into, but you do have the unknown of, okay, you're coming into this position. I didn't know anything about the military, really. Um, they have almost a completely new language. Uh, they have probably more acronyms than we actually use in medicine. So all those uh, different acronyms and shorthands that we had to use, uh, I'd say the military actually has a lot more. So it, the language is tough and having to learn everything as fast as I could in a short period of time kind of became stressful. And you know, me as an individual, I always wanna put my best foot forward so I want to make sure that I'm offering them the best that's out there. So a lot of it's more of stress that I've put on myself and the stress of, you know, moving, not knowing what I'm getting into, not being familiar with the area, but that's okay. You know, a, a lot of times people want to run from that. You know, I say face it head on because in the right situation, if you do your research, 
you talk to the right individuals, uh, get the information that you need, you know, I say, go for it. Fantastic. All right, Jason, I know that the military is very popular right now. So again, people can reach out on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or email jason.robey27 at gmail.com. Again, if you want to email jason, jason.robey27 at gmail.com, or I'll have a link to that in the show notes, which is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Jason Roby. Again, J-A-S-O-N-R-O-B-E-Y, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Jason Roby. And that'll be, I have a link to his email or John. Uh, one of my partners is Frio Hydration. They've been a huge supporter i know that they were actually working on one of those military contracts we that we talked about uh, i'm not sure how that's played out for them but again i love free hydration i love their products solid hardworking, american-made products a good friend in the owner so if you want to check out free hydration can't say anything bad about them fantastic uh, customer service fantastic product jason roby we're again about 10 different settings throughout his athletic training career and is using his platform now to improve uh, your practice as an athletic trainer and improve the life of our soldiers protecting and keeping us safe. So for Jeremy, Jason, and John and the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap. Thanks.